Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water... Do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? We have Mark Ellis of Rotten Tomatoes versus on Peacock TV, Tetris aficionado and March Madness college basketball expert. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player. We in here talking about practice. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Bases loaded. Two out. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Pitch your free throws because they have free. Sode 317 coming hot at you guys. And Sode 316. And I'm joined on this one by Alex Toss Me the Rock and Nikki Snacks Kreider and our special guest, Mark Ellis. And we are here today to talk to you about March Madness and throw in some special fun movie references. But before we get into all of that, got to remind you guys that we were brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Enter into their March Madness pool very fun. You can win a lot of money. Free to enter. Super cool stuff. Go bet on a bunch of props. Go bet on the over-unders. Make some parlays. Do some live betting. BetOnline.ag. Use the casino. It's fantastic. Go there today. Now, without further ado, let's talk some March Madness. Let's talk some college basketball. Enjoy our episode with Mark Ellis. All right, guys, you heard it in our introduction. We are joined by Mark Ellis of Rotten Tomatoes, one of the contributing editors. He's got a show on Peacock called Versus, where he does some of the hottest movie debates of all time. He's a March Madness aficionado, loves college basketball, and you are an expert at Tetris. Honestly, like saying all that out loud, Mark, it makes <laughs> me seem like we should just get a bunch of rapid tests, screw this podcast, and go grab some beers, barring we're all negative, honestly. That is exactly what I feel like doing. Where we could go to your neighborhood haunt, we could hit a B-dubs, and I can show you why I'm the world's greatest Tetris player, but I have to stress this. Because anytime I say I'm the greatest Tetris player that ever lived, people are like, oh, well, do you have a Nintendo Switch? And I'm like, no, 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 Game Boy Division. That's the only one that I play. I have a Game Boy. It's very old. It's it's worn down. It kind of looks it's it's reminiscent of like the millennium falcon it may not look like much but she's still got it where it counts so it still works i still play tetris to wind down and i i hate to brag right off the bat but i am great at tetris fellas <laughs> what, what's the Ask key whip it out yeah well, yeah 
What's the key? Yeah, what's the key to success on when you're playing Tetris? The key to success when you're playing Tetris is, uh, A, don't have a girlfriend. That's really going to distract you. Um, and you, you, once you get into, like, you have, like, 180 lines, it starts to get pretty fast. But then once you break the 200 barrier, that's when you got to focus. That's when you got to turn off all your other electronic devices, turn off the TV, just focus on the, <laughs> the blocks that the gods of Tetris are throwing at you. And eventually you can maybe one day get to not quite a million points because you can't get a million points on Game Boy Tetris. The highest you can get is 900,999,999. So you can go all nines, and I've done it, and it's fun. Oh, my and God. Then <laughs> Jesus. It's, uh, yeah. It's like yeah. Madden speed ratings. They won't give anyone 100. It's only 99. <laughs> it's, it, our, it, where I went to high school, the teachers always said – like nobody ever gets a hundred. You could never get a hundred on a test because they said nobody's perfect. And I'm like, what? I just ace that test. And you know, especially for a guy who more D's than A's, I'm like, can I please <laughs> just see triple figures on a test once in my life? Oh, dude, you should have went to my high school. They were giving out like one oh fives and one oh threes, just like completely <laughs> extra credit. Yeah. I mean, it was a game. I mean, you know, we all know how New York is with you know reporting false numbers, so it it doesn't you know makes perfect sense. <laughs> it makes sense, uh, Mark. We're going to get into March Madness here. We want to hear your bracket picks, your Sweet 16. But Alex and I were having a discussion earlier, and I want to see, because you're a movie guy, if this kind of resonates with you. When you're making your bracket, do potential storylines ever come into play when you're making your picks? Like, ooh, this would, be a, this would be so cool. I'm with the team of Destiny. I want Gonzaga, for example, to go undefeated. Or like Florida, they lose Nemhard and like or like Sister Jean's 101 years old. Exactly, yeah. Like they live in a reverse Aaron Banks type situation. He goes to Gonzaga, so I'm picking Florida. Well, you know their player collapse on the floor. Does that kind of stuff play into effect? Uh, it certainly does, and I think I'm not alone in that. I think that the tournament selection committee also thinks about these things because as much as they're trying to be fair with who they put in and where they seat everything. They're well aware they're making a TV show, and they know yeah. that they want these marquee matchups that aren't just necessarily the biggest schools, but they also have those storylines. Like my favorite storyline, as I'm filling out the bra- my bracket this morning, is everybody's now aware Kentucky and Duke did not make it right. into the tournament, right? And as a guy who went to Wake Forest University, I'm never going to weep any tears for Duke, but it is funny to me that no Kentucky, no Louisville, but – Rick Pitino is somehow back in the tournament, like <laughs> the eighth coming of Coach Carter or yeah. Norman Dale in Hoosiers. Pitino yes. is somehow back, and I am mad at myself for the bracket when we talk about it that I did not pick Rick to go further than a first-round exit. But it's just such a weird year and nothing puts an exclamation point on that like patino being in there iona being in there but no kentucky no duke no well i think he of all the coaches looks the most like a vampire and you know anyone who knows anything about that sort of lore you can't kill a vampire so that's why he's always (laughs) coming back dude yeah he is a he is a scary looking dude who was the old coach for the nets a couple kenny atkinson he used to freak me out too. Honestly. Yeah, they look kind of which is like the slicked hair, the slick back hair. Looks yeah. like you kind of can't trust him. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, when, if you're if you're talking about vampires in the NCAA, you you start the conversation with Jay Wright, who for the longest time I always thought was Count Chocula, and then they started <laughs> winning 
championships. And I'm like, all right, I, I got to give this guy a little bit more than just a cereal box. But I, I think if Villanova does it again this year, don't put him on a Wheaties box. Put him on the Count Jocula box where he belongs. Yeah, I, that is a hilarious comparison. Do you? How far do you have Nova going? What is your okay? What, what does your Sweet Sixteen look at look like? We'll start in the top. My sweet left. Sixteen. Yeah. Top. Top <laughs> left. Like, in the West. It, it's it's. I always break it yeah. down like that because it's all. There's no one's going anywhere this year. It's all in one bubble. Yeah, and the committee always is like, oh, who's in the West? It's like we don't care who's in the West. We, we care who's on the top left of our bracket mm-hmm. as we're looking at it. Top and right. So, yeah. <clears throat> My Sweet 16 in the Western, or the top left, is obviously <laughs> I, I have Gonzaga. It's a, a school you're going to hear quite frequently. I have them facing the Bobcats of Ohio. Whoa. That, wow. Yeah, people are in on that pick. They're yeah. in on that pick. Jay says too. Yeah. I mean, the, the people are afraid. Are you afraid of the, the COVID scare with Virginia? Is that where it starts? <laughs> I have watched too much Virginia basketball this year to put a lot of faith in them. It has nothing to do with the COVID scare. It has more to do with the fact that they've just been so inconsistent shooting the ball this year. And I I think that Tony Bennett's a great coach. And I think that he had them playing well when they needed to the most. And they hit a nice shot at the end to beat Syracuse, which low key, I was actually thrilled about. I have no beef with Syracuse, but Jimmy Bayheim was getting so hot that I was starting to fear he might break my all-time hero, Randolph Childress's ACC tournament scoring record because he has like four or five games to do it in. So luckily, Virginia knocked them out. They saved me from that. And as payback, I didn't even have them winning a game. So I do have Ohio. I love their guard play. And on the other side of the West, I have Iowa and Luca Garza downing USC, which I, I think USC is going to make a nice little run. I think they're going to make some noise against Iowa, but I think Iowa is just too solid of a ball club. And then who do you have winning out of Iowa and I presume Gonzaga? I have Gonzaga. Okay. Does anybody here else, we'll kind of run through ours a bit, have any disagreements with our lovely guest, Mark? No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, I think I think uh, Gonzaga over Iowa as well in that Elite Eight matchup. I, I think Josh and I are both pretty high on Kansas if they get going. I think they. I am too. Yeah, they they could. I, I have them beating USC, but I don't have anything against that pick that you made, Mark. I think it's totally sound. The one thing I'm curious about though is USC. You know, Evan Mobley, Pac-12 Player of the Year. They could run into some trouble against the Shockers, who are. I, I talked about it last pod, and I'm gonna talk about it again. But I. You can't you can't uh, count out the shockers ever, but of course they have to they have that playing game, which I think they'll they'll take care of Drake, um, which that's that's one of the first times I've heard them in, in tourney talk. So good for them, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I'm gonna go. I'm going with Gonzaga too. They're just too good at the team of destiny, honestly, and they have no weak spots. Who do you think? Because you're a big Gonzaga guy. Who do you think the most important player on the team is? We we're having this debate earlier. For Gonzaga, yeah. I mean, I, you, you got to go Suggs. I mean, the, the guy is just so yeah. special, and he is just one of those rare one-and-dones where – because a lot of times when you look at someone, even with Calipari's great recruiting classes at Kentucky, you see players and you can see the potential, and you can project them to be great NBA players. But Suggs looks like he's ready to leave a college basketball court, walk on to an NBA court tomorrow – and dominate. I mean, he is just it, looks that good and in that control of his game. Is it crazy to say he could go number one overall? No. 
No, I mean, it's the way the NBA is going is is you don't necessarily get excited about what big man is available first anymore. And right. So it, it, you got to have good guard play. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I think even if you look at Zion versus John ja Morant in retrospect, it's a tough call. And I, I just don't see anybody else coming out, at least from the college game, that, the high school game. I don't have those kind of magazines. I don't have access to those periodicals. <laughs> it was just jumping right to the NBA. But I, as far as college goes, I love Suggs in the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Cunningham's size and his ability to play the point as well, obviously, is why he's at tops. But Suggs yeah. is like kind of has like a he doesn't make many mistakes. He's a great facilitator in the NBA. If your guard can play D, facilitate, and is a threat from deep, yeah, he can play off ball too. That was the whole thing about Halliburton last year, right? Was that he can he can play in that secondary guard spot if he needs to. And I think Suggs is as good of a shooter as Halliburton is, and he'll he'll transition well no matter who you're pairing him with. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I'd love to see him with Shea, honestly, because both of them could kind of play that off-ball role and don't need to command a lot of touches, but can kind of, you know, spruce each other up and make each other look better. So we're going Gonzaga as a consensus as a team. I do have Kansas beating Iowa. I am not out. Uh, I'm not out on Virginia. I'm riding with them, but I do have the Gauchos. I have the Gauchos taking out Creighton. I'm happy with that pick. Do you have any other upsets in the first round in that top left before we go to the top right? Well, I, w- I was with you on that. I did have the um, – I thought they were the banana slugs. Who's the banana slugs? That's, that a- Santa, that's Santa Clara. I Santa think. Clara. That's where Nash went, I, I think. I'll, I'll check us. I- I'll make sure we, we know on that one. You just you, you gotta love a team that's that's a banana. Santa slugs. Cruz, you see Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. Yeah, okay. that's the banana. Slugs. All right, just I, I don't know how many animals you have to look at before you're like, you know what, the banana slug. We're, we're going slugs. Um, <laughs> I actually also have the Gauchos beating Creighton. Nice. And it's not just the the, the locker room strife that the Creighton's undergone recently. I just feel like. UCSB is just one of those teams that's going to sneak up. They're obviously on the right line, the 12-5 line, where we always see craziness. But I have them losing narrowly to Ohio in the round of 32, then Ohio ultimately succumbing to Gonzaga. So that's really it as far as upset picks. The, the Missouri-Oklahoma game is the most 50-50, you know, 8-9 matchup you ever want. So other than that, I think I was pretty sober making this. But this is how I do it, is the top left is always where – the alcohol hasn't necessarily taken effect yet, and you start to feel really <laughs> confident. It's usually the second or third bracket I'm filling yeah. out where I'm like, oh, this is just all going wrong. And then by the time we get to the bottom right, it's just, okay, it, w- which mascot do I like better? <laughs> you got to go full banana squat. You got to go full banana slug on one of these brackets at one point. <laughs> I do. I do one bracket every year where my pick is if I have any gut check that I think it can go wrong, I just run with it. If I think yeah. there's an inkling that something bad could happen to a higher-seeded team, I'm like, all right, you're done. You're toast. And I ride with it. All right, let's kind of keep it on an alcohol. Do you go right before the alcohol kicks in, or do you go bottom left? I go bottom left. I make sure my mouse is working before the beer hits. Yeah, good call. All right, we're going <laughs> bottom We're going bottom left. All right, this careful, man. We told you at the top we're Texas boys. So and <laughs> we do get feisty despite you being a guest. <laughs> if you're going to let us down, <laughs> please – Please take it easy. Yeah, this. take it easy. We can't <laughs> deal with much more heartbreak. All right, any upsets, first of all, in the first two rounds that we have to be aware of on your bracket? Uh, yes, I have Texas losing. But they, they are not losing the first round. Thank they're God. They're not losing the first round. So they're making into the round of 32. And what I'm struggling with is Texas. I love Shaka Smart. I'm, I'm from Virginia. 
VCU had just the dream run. And so I was all in on him. I was begging my university from afar. I don't actually contribute any money to Wake Forest that they would hire Shaka Smart and and redeem our program. And so I think everybody had their eye on him. He ultimately went to Texas, which is a great fit and very deep pockets. I just feel like Michigan State is going to get past UCLA in the play-in game. And I think that all Tom Izzo needs in the NCAA tournament is one game to say, okay, we can do that and just replicate it, and they can go on a run. So I have Michigan State going all the way to the Sweet 16 where they're ultimately going to face Alabama. And as much as I wanted to pick Iona just for fun, I, and I'm going to do that in one of those other bra- – I call it the Yahoo bracket. When I head over to Yahoo, that's when it's like, okay. All bets are off. It, it, just time to pick whatever coach you like, whoever you're going to be rooting for, Cinderella. So Iona's getting by in the Yahoo bracket. Not here. It is Alabama that is going to beat Michigan State to go to the elite eight and then Michigan and Florida state. I was tempted to pick Georgetown felling Florida state, but I think Leonard Hamilton with that new contract so richly deserved. And then Michigan, I mean, I don't want to go against Michigan anyway, and especially not after how feisty Juwan Howard's been, he's got those guys primed and ready for a deep run. I am with you on the Florida state train. I have them losing to us and let me sell you this pen real quick okay (laughs) (laughs) the (laughs) michigan the michigan state situation i'm 100 percent with you on it is a horrible draw for texas potentially because they do need that one fire starter game and i'm not even looking into the past where they've lost early tom izzo is an experienced guy who's been there it's like the opposite for the wichita state thing i was talking about where i think that extra game for wichita state actually hurts them for michigan state it helps them yeah right i think this is a team that before the season was not supposed to be an 11 seed. They were supposed to be a 4-5 at worst. So now that they're in the tourney and they've been given that you know invitation you didn't necessarily expect them to get, they're going to make their presence known. All that being said, the best version of the Texas team, and we've seen it lately, they have excellent senior guard play. They have a big man who, as long as he doesn't get to the line, is dominant defensively. We've kind of transitioned from Kai, from Greg Brown to Kai Jones, and we're riding the hot hand. I think Kai Jones has more upside as the more talented player, and we're good letting Greg Brown come off the bench with Brock Cunningham, who's a hustle player. I think Alabama is tricky if we do get there. I think kind of similar to us, their guard play. I'm just going size over Alabama plus heart, but I do think the Leonard Hamilton situation is he's an amazing coach. Scott Barnes, again, is a sneaky pick, a guy who can be dominant at the next level. He's got all the traits. Honestly, MJ Walker is very good. Um, do you have Michigan beating LSU? Do you have LSU, first of all, in that next game? And do you have Michigan over LSU? Um, I do not. I have uh, LSU. LSU is not the draw that I wanted for the Bonnies of mm-hmm. St. Bonaventure. But I still think that St. Bonaventure is going to be one of the tournament darlings. Now they're going to lose in the next round, but I think that they're going to be that big storyline coming out of the first round matchups. And then Michigan is is going to bludgeon them. And, yeah. and it's going to be embarrassing. Like you're going to feel bad for the Bonnies after that. But I don't have LSU getting a win in this tournament. And you- and I'll probably rectify that in another brackets. I filled out like three already, so yeah. I got to look at this one that I kind of most believe in right now. Do you not, this might just be, I'm a big time, my mom's from Louisiana, so I'm a huge LSU homer, but uh, do you not have, like, do things not change if Livers isn't playing? 
for Michigan? Does it either way you still have them taking it at least to at least to 16? No, it certainly changes. And because I still don't know, I don't have enough of a sample size to see what that team looks like without him. And that's one of the reasons why I actually have Alabama and Michigan matched up and I have Alabama going on. Yeah. Not Michigan. So I have Michigan making a nice run, but without their full complement of players, if if that's going to be the case once we get into next weekend, then I have I have Bama. And I, it, it brings me no joy to say that. I mean, you talk about an embarrassment of riches with your athletic program, right. but I just feel like I feel like Michigan State or UCLA is is going to wear themselves out. And that's kind of the other reason why I took them over Texas is because, like, even if UCLA beats them in in the play in game, like it's still a blue blood name that you're looking at across right, yeah. the court. And so I just feel like that might carry some weight. But ultimately, I do have the tide rolling to the final four. That Michigan yeah. State UCLA game is going to be a juggernaut of a playing game. Yeah. Yeah. It's the biggest playing game we've ever seen, I think. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. I, I think one of those, we're talking about the like narratives that are really exciting to see LSU. Josh and I are really high on, on LSU. Um, if they sneak past Michigan without livers and they, they beat the Bonnies and then they, you know, their offense gets them past a, an always heavy minded defensive team that, that Leonard Hamilton has then they're facing Alabama like that's a that's a great narrative that's classic where it's the SEC football matchup turns into the the SEC basketball matchup yeah how spoiled can the SEC get it's crazy I hate them I hate them I almost hate them as much as the Pac-12 but for different reasons they okay so we have Gonzaga in the top left bottom left we have Bama for you we have all I have you have Nick I have Colorado coming out of this one Nick yeah I'm high on Colorado this year I I think that they They've got a great duo in McKinley Wright and Dryhorn, and I think that they can come back on any team. They have one of the best three-point percentages in college basketball, and they can also pull away from any team too. If they get hot early, it's going to be hard to catch up with those guys. Now, I'm torn here because, Mark, I want you to know something about Nick. While, while I vehemently disagree with this pick, Nick is also the luckiest motherfucker I know. So <laughs> you, if okay. he's throwing it down, it's should be somewhat considered based off no stats, nothing he's nothing that's been seen or you've heard just for the fact that he's on them. I'm going to have to consider it a little bit. I want yeah, you to know that. Look, every circle of friends has their Ferris Bueller. I've never been it, but it's just the, the sun just smiles upon Nick, and I give him credit for that. And I don't hate the Colorado pick, at least getting to face potentially Michigan. Because I'm all in on the Georgetown storyline with Ewing being their coach. But it's also, we've seen the Big East tournament for every run that Kemba Walker had. You also have the Big East tournament champion is exhausted. And that can continue on to the next week. We've seen it play out like that in the tournament. So I don't hate that Colorado pick. I just took Georgetown, which was as much a sentimental pick. But I also thought that Florida State was going to defeat either one of those teams. So I didn't think it would cost me that much in the long run. And ultimately, Florida State going up against Michigan State. But look, I'll tell you this. Colorado and LSU both scare me as far as that team that I did not pick that has Final Four run potential. Yeah, nice. I mean, I th- I picked Georgetown to to beat Colorado in most of my brackets. Part of that is just the five twelve. Again, like you said, it's an enticing upset pick. It would be um, looking back on it if I if I get the pick wrong, I'm gonna look at their record and be like they're one game over five hundred. 
Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. It's a cool, it's <laughs> you know a, what it's I mean? a like, big time Kool Aid move. It's a big time Kool Aid drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing with Georgetown, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that a lot of people have Georgetown pulling off the upset. Oh yeah, it's a hot pick right now. Yeah. People always love to ride the hot hand into the tournament, but that's when a team like Colorado sneaks up on you and kind of does the thing you're talking about, Nick. But I, the sun shining on you, I'm down to bring some rain, baby. Let's go to the top. <laughs> Let's go to the top. What happens in Texas, man? You're enjoying a nice sunny day. Oh, You're yeah. having a Shiner Bach. Then all of a sudden, is is that a cloud? And then it just boom. Yeah, it's yeah. like James, James McAvoy it. from Split. You never know what you're going to get. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> You were too, but usually you're too drunk, honestly, that you're walking home like, and you're halfway there. You're like, holy shit, it's been raining and, you're, and your boots are soaked. Um, we'll go to the top right. Who's your sweet I'm loving six? these movie references, by the way. We're, we're crushing it here. Trying to you, you guys are doing you guys are doing great on my on my side of the ledger. So, you know, <laughs> good, I got man. No complaints. Trying to get yeah, back compared to Ferris Bueller. I love that. <laughs> All right. Th- thanks, Mark. You really did us a solid there. The, uh, <laughs> uh, sweet 16. Who you got in the top right? Top right. I have Baylor making a big push. Um, I do have Winthrop as my my upset darling over a depleted Villanova. I think that that's such a tempting line to take because Villanova might be understaffed. Yeah, without Gillespie is tough for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. W- yeah, without Gillespie. I mean, the, you talk about a heart and soul leader style of a team. I was impressed with Villanova, how they played since losing him because they are such a tight-knit unit. They have a great coach. I just think that Winthrop is that one. And I don't know about you, fellas. Now when I look at a bracket, it's I have to talk myself into taking a five seed over a 12. So if I have any excuse to take a 12 over a five, then Colorado. There you go. I will take advantage of that. So I have Winthrop, and then I have them beating Purdue in the next round, wow. being that hot double-digit seeded team yeah. that can make a deep run or at least start dreaming. But I have the I same thing. I have them against yeah. Baylor. So, so, Win- so Winthrop is your Van Helsing to take out Jay Wright the Vampire. Yep. Very nice. <laughs> Nick, way to get on the board. There you go. Yeah, well done. It's, and, and, and I'm going to give Winthrop the, the credit of being the Anthony Hopkins Van Helsing in Bram Stoker's Dracula, not the oh. Hugh Jackman Van Helsing in the more recent, less fortunate iteration. Yeah. Who played, who played Dracula? Was it Michael Sheen that played Dracula in that one? Was that? It was. Yeah. Yeah, that one's nice. That Gary one's, Oldman did Bram that Stoker's. One's, that one's tough, but Kate Beckinsale is in that movie, which is always a plus. Kate Beckinsale's great. I actually, my my first, uh, maybe my first or second year when I was out in L.A., I was on a season of Punked, and she was my first target that I got to punk, and Michael Sheen was in on it. Damn. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's badass. Because yeah. they've, wor- they've worked together me. a lot. They worked together. I was at like I was at like a five like five years later. I was at like some premiere party. It was like the first premiere I ever went to, and uh, and I was at a party afterwards. And, and I see Beckinsale, and, and my buddy's like, "Dude, you got to go, you know, remind her who you are." And, <laughs> and so I go up there, and, and I'm like, "I don't know if you remember this." And she looks at me, and she's like, "Oh, you've lost weight." And I was like, "Yes." Kate Beckinsale <laughs> remembered that I was chubbier then than I am now. This is a huge W. That. That well, night, and you lost the weight I, too, so it was a, it was a you, double you, whammy. You, That's great. You, you homered. Yeah, you crushed well, it. Well, after that brief interaction, I'm pretty sure I put on at least three thousand calories of beer weight the rest of the night. So 
I made up for it a little bit that evening, but it was, it was celebratory. Uh, it was a good time. Dude, it was but at least yeah. like Kate Beckinsale told you lost weight. The only person I've ever really gotten something like that was from like this uh, restaurant I used to go to when I was younger. I came back from college and she goes, "Oh, your face looks used to look like a dinner plate, but now it's all slender." I was like, "Thanks." And my dad like kind of just shat on me the rest of the dinner. It, was, it ended up being like a terribly backhanded compliment. At least he got looking back at it. I think Kate Beckinsale might have been my first one of my first celebrity crushes when I saw her in Underworld. Really. Mm-hmm. Who was yours, Mark? She was, she was amazing. My first celebrity crush was probably a tie between Alicia Silverstone and the Aerosmith videos. Okay. And Cindy Crawford's Pepsi Super Bowl commercial. Cindy, oh man, yeah, yeah. I can't go. I, mine was a music video one as well. I don't know if it counts as a celebrity per, per se, but whoever played Stacy's mom in the Stacy's mom <laughs> music video was. <laughs> Was my fr- I don't know her name, and I never want to know her name. She's just number one for me. This is good. You don't want to know any more information. You just want her in your head as she exists there. Exactly. I know. I'll probably it was so. It was yeah. Exactly. It was long ago. I don't know what she's been up to since, and I'm afraid to find out. So you know, some things are better left I would untouched. Love to do a reality show where you actually have to be in like a one year marriage with the woman who played Stacy's mom, and it, you guys just have to go have a life together, and we film it because this is. <laughs> And then you're actually just living it for a year, and then we get to we'll, and we'll just check in with you every so often, or we'll read the the TMZ headline, see how the relationship's going. Mark, that is exactly my sense of humor, and I will double down on that with you. I'm so <laughs> I'm so I'm into that. I'm, I'm very much into that. That sounds infinitely more enticing than some kind of Marvel movie to me. Just doing a year long relationship on TLC or something with uh, the former Stacy's mom. Um, Toss, before we go to the bottom yeah, part of the... Who's, who's your celebrity crush? We got to get into it. I think I think I might be in the same boat as Nick here. I think mine's really? Kate Beckinsale or, or Keira Knightley. The British accent really gets me, and they both mm. they both have it. So, um, yeah. And she, she like, really knows Michael Sheen, though, because he, he was on Underworld, too, wasn't he? They dated for a time. I, I believe she was she was dating Michael Sheen like a long time ago. They had broken up, but they remained friendly. And then Kate started dating. I want to say the director of Underworld. We just did uh, we, at Rotten Tomatoes. We just did a podcast on Underworld, and which is the only reason I have all this crap in my head. And then she went on to make like nineteen more Underworld movies. The funny thing is that the director of Van Helsing. Uh, was not considering Kate Beckinsale or Michael Sheen for those roles. And then dude went to go see Underworld and shoving popcorn in his face like, hey, he's doing really good. So he decides to cast them in Underworld. That's how they are in Van Helsing. And so that's how they got that movie. And then Sheen wow. gets cast in Twilight as well. The guy just, he he's making his career off of being a vampire. He and Bill Nye, I mean, the two of them are just... <laughs> they're just gaunt gaunt white audience. guys so there you go that's what that's the ma- the money makers hey, I, I wouldn't hate casting uh michael sheen as a as a younger rick patino when he was running those those offenses and those uh that, that kentucky press back in the day drinking drinking the blood of unfortunate souls by night and coaching the hell out of the wildcats by day yeah what is he is he he's michael sheen's in a tv show right now where he's like some kind of like supernatural guy right Oh yeah, he was in uh, that Amazon show, Good Omens, I think. Yeah, yeah, he and David Tennant they they did a little he's, six episode he, stint. He's great, man. You, you want a good Michael Sheen? Go check out Frost Nixon. It's a great story. Oh, yeah. 
And there, and Frank Langell was great as Nixon too. And it, it's just, it, it's a great conversation. If you like podcasts, everyone, this is like the time before podcasts and they were doing it with the then president of the United States. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. He, Frank Langell is an amazing actor. He was great in Chicago seven. Uh, I'm sure you've seen, he, he did an excellent job as the judge. You just freaking hated that guy. Um, I can't believe yeah, you, I can't believe yeah. you slided Rick Pitino jr. You're not going to get him to play his father. Or play young, young Rick Pitino. You're just gonna, you're gonna recast no. him with, with Michael Sheen. Hey man, hold on to a job for more than a few years. Okay? <laughs> well, now he's jobless. He needs the work, man. He he has got a LinkedIn sign that says "Will work." Willing, he's down for anything. Uh, he could be the stand-in for his old man's character when Michael oh. Sheen is in his trailer. <laughs> the stunt double when he gets too too excited on the sidelines. <laughs> now I'm just painted as this Pitino Junior hater, and I I, I don't care. You know? <laughs> Where Michael Sheen's stand depends on how you look at it. Bottom half of the top right, who do you have in the Sweet 16 ultimately facing Baylor? This one is pretty much chalk for me. Um, the only mild upset I have is actually, I don't have any upsets, which is very rare for me. So I have Arkansas and Ohio State meeting each other, and I ultimately have Ohio State prevailing not just against Arkansas. But I have Ohio State beating Baylor to I do go too. to the Final Four. Mm. So, I do and too. now that I know Nick agrees with me, I, I'm playing with house money. Yeah, exactly. And you have nothing to lose. <laughs> this bracket, this bracket may be the perfect one. You may win that billion dollars. I feel like this is also a year where you kind of have to fall into the trap of you either are going to ride heavy with the Big Twelve or you're riding with the Big Ten, really depending on what conference you think is the best. Do you kind of feel that same way? I do to a point because I actually think the Big 12 has been the best conference top to bottom in basketball this year, which mm-hmm. is why I probably should have picked Texas to go further. But <laughs> it just the fact that Texas went through that gauntlet and still ended up with a three seed is very impressive to me. It was a lot of great competitive basketball in the Big 10. Michigan-Ohio State is, is obviously that marquee matchup, but seeing Ohio State and Illinois – in the Big Ten Championship Final, it was great. I also have a little bit of hesitation with Illinois, so because uh, I think that game could have gone either way. So yeah, I have Ohio State going the distance. I may not necessarily be able to say the same thing for Illinois. That's how you foreshadow a bracket. Nice. I, I think uh, for me, it's like the shot make. Even though Illinois won that matchup, the shot making at the end of the game was so much easier for Ohio State. I felt like. The step back three from Desanmu at the end of the game was terrible. I hated that look. And like, if that's what you're giving me in the end of close games, I'm willing to I'm willing to gamble on that. That's and, a great point. That and was take a Ohio bad State. Look. Yeah, was, that was a yeah, that's very unimpressive. Especially you factor in the fact that I don't think Ohio State is going to find themselves in the position of trailing by 17. Yeah. Within the first 10 minutes of of the game, so as long as they can avoid you know that little pitfall, then I think they have all the potential in the world to reach the Final Four. Again, yeah, they had that great veteran guard, Dwayne Washington, man. He really just took over in that Illinois game and brought him all the way back. Plus, Liddell is great. You know, I'm big, I like Justice. Yeah. He does his job out there. They didn't have Kyle Young, who will be back. I mean, that's a major piece that you're missing on the wing. Uh, so I think, obviously, Ohio State has everything you need. Um, so you have Ohio State in the top right. Anybody else not? At, Nick, you have Ohio State as well? I do, yeah. Toss? I have I have tech going to the uh, I just I love the narrative of the Big 12 Elite Eight in the top right, which is the South region, which, of course, is always puzzling. Why do they name it that? It's not it's not in the South on the bracket. So that's confusing for me. 
Um, but I do think that they have, they're a really talented team. I also think they could lose. They're one of those teams where it's like, I think they could lose against Utah State because that's they're no joke of a team. But I think if they get hot, Kata, yeah. they have a lot of weapons on their team. and they can. They I, I definitely have them over Arkansas. Um, and then that between Ohio State and, and Tech is kind of a toss-up for me, but I went with Tech because I want to see the Baylor-Tech uh, Big 12 matchup. The reunion. Yeah. The reunion. The, the UNC, like LSU scares you, Mark. UNC scares me in the top right. Don't let them scare you. Don't let them do anything to you. Here's how it breaks down. For anyone who's a fan of an ACC school not named Carolina or Duke is once the tournament rolls around and unfortunately Wake with their 3-15 and 15 ACC rate, not, not quite good enough to squeak in, but you root for ACC team. So I'll be pulling for Virginia. Okay, I'll be pulling. I might even root for Maryland, who used to be in the ACC. I never root for Carolina. I never root for Duke. If they happen to win a game, then I'll say, oh, at least the ACC looks good. I'm going to be rooting for Wisconsin. I think Carolina wins that game, but I, I Carolina has been a very weird year. And, and Roy seems like some days he has all of his marbles at his disposal. And other times he just, it just it isn't lining up. And mm. so I can't give them more than a win in the tournament, especially if they've got to go up against a juggernaut like Baylor in the second round. So they just can't I have a Baylor beating lines. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I think the size of North Carolina scares me, the, their ability to kind of rebound and get second chance points. Good front line. Good front line. But I think the, the shootout that they'll have to get in against Baylor is just too much. All right, we're going to the drunk region, the bottom right region. What is the Sweet 16 over here looking like? And do you have any upsets? As I'm sure the alcohol has kicked in going into the Sweet 16. I think the alcohol kicked in in a reverse way where it made me more paranoid because I do have a big upset, but it's a little bit later. So my Sweet 16 is Illinois versus Oklahoma State. There's no real surprises there. I wanted to give Georgia Tech as much run as I could, but I, I can't have them yeah. beating Illinois. Just it, that one did not check out to me. I do have Syracuse making a lot of noise. I have Syracuse beating the Aztecs and I have Syracuse. Originally I had Syracuse going to the sweet 16. And then I said, okay, huggy bear West Virginia had so many tough losses down the stretch where they were, they could have won the last three or four games that they lost. And it really came down to a shot here or there. And I think that Bob Huggins just, he becomes Nick. Okay. He just, everything starts going his way once he gets into the tournament. And so Moorhead state is no joke, but I think that West Virginia rolls them. And I think West Virginia gets by Syracuse. And I also think West Virginia is going to get by Houston, who I have them meeting in the sweet 16. Nice. I have I have Illinois over West Virginia in that Elite Eight, and I'm with you on the Sweet 16. Toss, before we get to Nick, who we know definitely ha – Nick is also a huge San Diego homer. So we know he has – You have Nick, you have San Diego State there in the Sweet 16? I do, yeah. Do you have them in the Elite I think they, they play – I mean, they play, they play great defense. They I mean, at the end of the day, I think they can lock up anybody. Um, and they, I know they play in a weaker conference, but, um, they do play some pretty competitive games when they're out of conference. And I think that they can make a pretty big run in this tournament. I think that the six seed was actually kind of disrespectful. I think they could have gotten a five or a four. I like that. I like that take. I think they could have, you could have moved them to a five or a four ahead of a team like Virginia or a team ahead of a team like Villanova. I would have found more respect in that regard. Toss, who do you have in that sweet 16? Um, I have... 
I have Illinois, OK State, and then I have Syracuse, Houston, because I'm a, I love Jimmy Beheim. Both Him, of the, both of them, they, Bo- both of them, and it's it's one of those. Yeah, I talked about Michigan State. If Michigan State in the other region was um, not lined up with Texas in that second game, I would I would be taking them probably to the Sweet Sixteen too. It's just when I get presented with a low seed Izzo or Beheim team, especially with the Beheim team who always presents the zone, and that that just is a different thing that other teams have never seen. Most of them have never seen, and if they have seen it, it's sparingly in games you, you know, used by coaches here and there. Um, I, I just think that it, it can shock people, and I have them beating West Virginia. Something about the three-quarter like weird poncho zip-up thing from, from Bobby Huggins is not suiting, suiting me right now. And I it's think, a full <laughs> outfit pick. You've got to get involved with the outfits, too. People magazine pick Look, some right people there. are taking Jay Wright all the way to the Final Four just because he's the best dressed in the NCAA. So I, I have them playing Houston. I think Houston's actually a really good team, and I think they're going to beat Q's. So I have Houston and Oklahoma State in, in the Elite. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. I will ratify your West Virginia hatred to this point, is that for a guy who's been nicknamed Huggy Bear for the last 30 years, you got to grow a better beard than what you're showing. You know, I, I don't know if you're just 100%. going because you're West Virginia now, if you're going for that Civil War look, but – it's got to be a fuller beard. Manscape it, rub some Rogaine on it. Your beard is not living up to your reputation, Huggins, and it's going to cost you if you want to get to the Final Four. Yeah, or at least if you're going Huggy Bear theme, give me like a little like cane. <laughs> Throw some Snoop Dogg in there. You know what I'm saying? Which also <laughs> you think honestly, they've you think is, they've ever an the time performance. The, the players have by that movie. The players mm-hmm. have ever encouraged him to to put on the huggy bear costume because many of people have worn that same costume for halloween i think people are afraid of that guy i don't know he seems like weird like a a weirdly intimidating like you can't just approach him with fun ideas uh final four mark and how does it break down all right so i actually have um i i tease that illinois may not be going as far as other one seeds and i make good on that promise because my sweet 16 matchup in the drunk bracket is oklahoma state losing to West Virginia. So I have Huggins riding that Mountaineer team all the way to the final four where they're going to meet Ohio State. On the other side of the brackets, Gonzaga, Alabama. And my championship game is going to be Gonzaga versus West Virginia. Whoa, and John Denver will play the halftime show. It's going to be, <laughs> cra- it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> nice. Uh, wow. Okay, so Gonzaga over West Virginia. Toss, what do you have? Final four, and who do you have? I have our horns getting getting there against Gonzaga, um, and then in the on the opposite side, I have I have another Big Twelve matchup. So three Big Twelve teams in the Final Four: Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State beating Tech, and then Gonzaga beating Texas because I I really just think they're they're the best team, and this is kind of it's it's one of the best. I said this earlier in the season. I think it's the best team I've ever seen in college basketball as yeah. far as top to bottom. The amount of NBA level talent that's on this team, like there are five guys that are going to be NBA players by in the next three years, you, they'll be contributors to their teams. A couple of them will probably be, I mean, Suggs we expect to be, you know, a starting point guard for whatever team he's on. And then I think that you can see Kispert potentially take a, a Joe Harris type of role whenever he gets to the NBA. I love him. Um, Timmy, I really, I really like a lot. And then, you know, Ayayi obviously is a rangy defender. He'll contribute for some team. Rebounds. Good. And Nembhard is a, is a no job. proficient guard and he'll be in the NBA too. So I, it's, 
it might be a bold statement to say that it's the best college team I've ever seen, but I'm also not that old. So um, I haven't seen that many teams. Um, and yeah, I have Gonzaga beating Oklahoma State. Cade Cunningham can't do enough and you know, for his team to, to beat out this Gonzaga team. They're just too strong through and through. Mm-hmm. And Mark Few finally gets his championship. Mark, where do you, speaking of Marks, where do you see this Gonzaga team in all-time teams you've seen? It's a great premise that we just introduced. I'm thinking post-2000s. Yeah. I, I would have them up. I they're not better. They're not we, better than the Fab Five. Just I'm just throw that out there. They're, they're not yeah, I mean I'm I'm a little older than you than you boys. I'm now I'm about to turn eighty. Is it? I'm I'm at no I'm forty. Wow. And it was a long year, guys. Talk about vampire. So I saw. Yeah, I'm like that Twilight vampire that just aged out of being in high school every year. So I still just hang out, and everybody's like, "Who's a weird old guy?" I'm like, "No, I'm like <sighs> you. I'm 200. Okay, <laughs> I look older." Um, I think I would put this Gonzaga team on a par as of right now with those Billy Donovan Florida teams. Yeah. And that you, what about that UNC team with Hansboro uh, Lawson? That one was a good one. Yeah. The, yeah. That Carolina team was loaded. Or the and Kentucky then, team. I mean, I, it, going back to the, to the nineties, it gets tougher to compare, but because you know you had like Duke and you had the Fab Five, you had that Carolina team that beat the Fab Five. But the I think Houston thousands, this Gonzaga's way up there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, it's it maybe not like the most star-studded as some of those other teams are. Like Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist playing together was a nightmare for teams. And and same thing with you know the Brewer, John Hor- Wall, Boogie, the right, and the Brewer, the Horford, the Joachim Noah. Um, but I think. I just like five guys that are NBA guys. Maybe the top three aren't as good as some of the other teams we've seen, but just mm. all the way across the board. And there's other guys that I'm not even mentioning. Um, this is definitely the best team Mark Fuse had. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. So mm-hmm. I think it's up there with that UNC team with Hansborough and Lawson for me, as well Richard, as Richard McCants. Too. Yeah, as well as that Florida team. And obviously the AD team, and the cat team is good in Kentucky. Yep. Um, I got, Illinois beating Gonzaga in the finals. I am riding that big 10 hot hand. I love what I've seen out of them. If Io can't get it done from three, they have Williams, they have Miller, they have Frazier. It's a true Curbello. Batman versus Superman. Yeah, Batman versus Superman matchup. type situation right, right here. And then I have Gonzaga beating Texas and Illinois beating Baylor. That's my final four. And Nick, we'll close out with you. Gonzaga beating Colorado, advancing the national championship. Ohio State beating San Diego State. Oh, God, get out of here. <laughs> and, then, and then Gonzaga is the champion. Uh, I don't hate Nick. I, I don't hate the matchup that San Diego State has against Syracuse. I, I don't like. I, I'm not a fan of them falling to six, but I think that Syracuse is a good matchup for them. I think Sarah, I think that game could go either way. Maybe it does start a fire, but ultimately, I just feel like Gonzaga is going to be too strong for anyone. Yeah. and I have them beating West Virginia in the final. So I'm not. I, I like Huggy. I just don't like him that much. Wait. So we all have Gonzaga as a champion, right? Except me. I'm the only one have? Does, I have Illinois. Batman Illinois. versus Superman. Illinois. Somehow Batman wins. He gets, a, he gets a hold like, of the kryptonite and everything is uh, everything's <laughs> doomed for the Zags. Are you going to watch the Snyder Cut when it comes out? When is it like three days from now or something like that? Oh, hell yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to watch it like it's a miniseries because it's four hours, so it's probably yeah. going to take me two weeks to finish it. But <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm the guy that liked the theatrical cut of Justice League because – I got to see Batman and Wonder Woman like hanging out. And I'm like, what, what more do you want? This is, it's, it, yeah. it, it's a little disjointed, but come on, it's Batman. I'll watch anything with Jason Momoa in it. 
I mean, I think, that guy's just he's, yeah. just, he's just fun. Nothing can be worse than Suicide Squad. So for, for I, me, I, you don't, I, that is the worst movie I've ever seen. I think that it's not the worst DC movie. Uh, I don't know, man. I, Man of Steel is just disjointed from a story standpoint. It is all over the place. But I would have to say Suicide Squad is probably my least favorite of the new DC EU movies, but it cannot be the worst movie you've ever seen unless you've never seen Caddyshack 2. I've never seen Caddyshack <laughs> 2. So I will don't, have... don't just take my word for it. That's like I, my father wouldn't let me watch Rocky 5. We we <laughs> mo- we mowed through we mowed through I dude, I this is crazy. We mowed through Rocky one through four. I've seen one through four. I can't even tell you how many times I've yep. seen about Bal- Rocky Balboa. Wait, five is the one with Tommy, Tom. Yeah. Tommy uh, gun, Tommy gun. Yeah. When they get in a street fight, right. I've seen all the creeds. I've seen Rocky Balboa. I still haven't seen it and I never will. Yeah. Don't, don't treat. There is a cut of it on YouTube that somebody put together. That's actually a lot better, but it's still, it's in my family. It doesn't exist. It's like when we're binging Rockies, we go to Rocky four, we watch Rocky four again. And then we just go right to Rocky Balboa. And it's like, oh, yeah, it was Rocky Five. It was the exact same movie. <laughs> I, think this is a, I think this is a relevant comparison and, and thing to bring up because we're just talking about March Madness. And the reason why I can't take Bob Hawkins to the Final Four is because he has a mullet, and so did Tommy Gunn. And clearly those, okay. with those with the mullet, they can't get it done down the line. Hey, wait. So, But, but that's Big 12 talk now. So are you saying that Mike Gundy is never going to take the Oklahoma State football team no all the way to the national championship. Yeah, no, no he's way. not he's not you want to see me <laughs> no chance do you want to see will. me bet my unborn kid's life on something it's that there's no <laughs> way in god's green earth that that's going down i'll bet all of them all of the oh kids my god and mine. You, just, you just gotta wonder if mike gundy was just watching roadhouse one day and just <laughs> so insulated that he's like i think this looks cool and there's nobody's ever told well, now it's like a tattoo, dude. He's like fully committed to it. He can't get rid of yeah. it. He's like, yeah, he, it's... if he cuts it, the team has nothing, like nothing. I think it'll lose recruits, honestly. It's like on, it's his Samson hair. <laughs> we, we ask, Mark, we ask the same question to all of our guests. What is your favorite sports memory all time? Could be you playing, watching, anything sports related. Favorite sports memory of all time is I go all the way back to the framed picture that I'm looking at right now of Super Bowl 22. Anybody off the top of your head know which game that was? No. Super Bowl 22 was the first football game that I remember actually watching. We were in Northern California at the time. My dad was stationed there. My dad and my mom actually got tickets because our family is huge Washington football team fans. And this was 1988. It was 87 season. So they got tickets because the game was in San Diego. So my mom and dad broke down. Grandparents flew out to babysit us. And I remember watching it. And in that game, it's uh, the Washington football team versus the Denver Broncos. John Elway versus Doug Williams, the first black quarterback to ever start a Super Bowl. And the game starts out and Washington just looks awful. Williams twists his knee. We're down 10 nothing going into the second quarter. And then it happened. The greatest quarter in NFL history. We scored 35 points, four touchdown passes. We gained over 350 yards of total offense in a quarter. And from that moment on, I've always been an optimist in life because whatever hand life deals you, there's always the chance for the second quarter. Wow. And now if, now if it's magic, you might have some of that. 
I'm pumped, man. It's He's it's the that. best beard in D.C. since Lincoln. Yes. And him coming in and whether he's able to mentor Heineke, whether we we find someone in the draft, we trade up to get someone, or it's just him kind of playing on borrowed time for a couple of years, I think we have a defense where if we get a 7-10 point lead, we can beat anyone. 100% that defensive line is ferocious. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of first-round pet. You win the game on the line. We've said it on the – we're on episode what? This is going to be episode 317. We've said it since episode three. You know what I'm saying? You win the game on the line without a doubt. And I th- I, th- I like them moving up for, like, Trey Lance. I think that's, like, a play for them right there. Put him behind Fitzmagic. I saw enough on his pro day where I'm like, that guy can sling it. His, his release is excellent. And you guys – you put him in the right system like any quarterback, they'll succeed. It just has to be the right, right. system. Yeah. None of our – no one on our defensive line – was less than a first round pick. And if you, Taylor Heineke, he's a great option too. I mean, he pushed Tom Brady as hard as anybody did in the playoffs. So I'm very excited for the future. And as a Washington football fan, I need to say that it's just, it's, it, I, I, I cannot tell you the optimism I'm feeling right now. We, we got it in 2012 when RG3's rookie year happened. It didn't obviously end and pay off the fairy tale, but I wouldn't trade that season and just that feeling of optimism for anything. Yeah, and I think you have it again this year with the football. Well, and just the rest. I mean, I I'm grew up in Dallas, Texas. I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, but it's like you guys look the most sound across the board compared to any of the the other teams in the NFC East, I think. There's so much so many question marks around these other teams. And like, yes, we just signed Dak and I'm really excited about that, that he's gonna be our quarterback for the future because I think he deserves to be. But there's just a lot of question marks around the Cowboys the defensively. Same thing with the Giants, you know, who's under center for them and and what they and if they can protect him and if he can, you know, not turn the ball over three four times every single game and and same thing with the the eagles it's who's their quarterback and you know is it even the right coach for them so i don't know eagles remind you of like that star quarterback who like won the the high school championship his senior year and then just kept living off that and now he's like 28 years old and is just still just hanging out at the local diner drinking wearing his high school jacket and he's just showing the ring to anyone who didn't ask it and yeah the eagles just are so i I, i'm happy that we're in the division we're in i'll say the eagles are the eagles are a joke the cowboys (laughs) the cowboys have made a deal with the devil seemingly and the giants are stuck with daniel jones which is laughable and saquon barkley all right, we got one last question just catered to you specifically. Nick, let him have it. Top five sports movies. That's all. Top five sports movies of all time. If I don't have to limit it to basketball, the floodgates open. But a basketball movie still is my favorite sports flick of all time. I'm only going to put one documentary in there, so not to skew it too much. Hoop Dreams, I'll put it number five because Hoop Dreams it was so revolutionary when it came out, still holds up, and is maybe the biggest Oscar snub in the history of Oscar snubs. Yes, even you, Saving Private Ryan. So at <laughs> number four, I'm going to toss in a football movie. It's maybe the most inspirational football movie I've ever seen, and my dad and his high school played against this team a couple years later, and that would be Remember the Titans. So my dad grew up around the – I think that's Anderson Josh's all-time movie. favorite movie, right? And is it? It's my it's my second favorite movie of all time, ever. What's number one? Which Star Wars movie is number one? 
The Departed. I'm actually Star Wars v. Rank Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Star Wars is number three for me, but I do love all three to compare them. But Departed is number one. But we also have a running joke that one of my first tattoos is I'm going to get the fake 22 blast with the backside George reverse. Like, like <laughs> the X's and O's. Like the X's the and O's tattooed <laughs> on my leg. Like I'm going to get that soon. That is a thing of beauty. Um, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Your, dad, your dad played <laughs> against that team, though? Yeah, I played against T.C. Williams. Oxon Hill is where he went to high school, and, and Oxon Hill had already been integrated by the time my dad got there. And, and I don't know all the backstory as far as integration goes, but he played against that. They played against that high school on their schedule regularly, and, I, and, and that was probably two or three years after. So he might have played against that coach. Oh, he definitely Boone. played against Coach Boone. Yeah. He was there a couple yeah, years yeah. after, before he left. Yeah, but, but that speech he gives him, when he makes him run 10 miles to Gettysburg, yeah. then he gives him that speech. You know, as a Civil War buff, I'm like, hey, maybe you should have jogged to Antietam. That was actually the bloodier. But it, but it doesn't matter. Gettysburg is great. And wow, what a moment. And that movie, it, it's so good because I know what's coming midway through, the tragedy that happens, and I can still sit through it. That's, that's, that's the measure of a great movie. Conversely, I would love to put Tin Cup. Kevin Costner's golf movie in my top five. I just can't because when I'm watching it, I'm having such a good time, but I know how it ends and I cannot watch it. I cannot stomach yeah. it. So take Tin Cup out, put in number three. I'm a comedian. I need to put something funny in there. Give me Caddyshack. It's a golf movie as much as anything else. And you have four of the all-time greatest doing their best work in that flick. Yeah. Absolutely. And Caddyshack 2 can kick rocks. It doesn't even exist, my man. I have no idea what movie you're talking about. Never heard of it. Uh, I think you bring um, up a good point of rewatchability for a sports movie is really, really important. Very important. Yeah. Because, like, you, yeah. you know where it's going. Like, you, you put, I don't know, like, we all love Miracle. It's like, you know where that story ends. But yeah, to yeah. be able to watch mm-hmm. it again and again because of the characters and the story and how we get there, that's what's important in a sports movie. 100%. 100%. Right. And so that's why I'll put Rocky four at number two because i can just rewatch it all the live long day and it made me enjoy creed 2 so much because creed 2 was great on its own but the fact that they brought drago back and the fact that they made him such a three-dimensional character and you actually care about everybody in creed 2 and, and you're rooting for both factions sort of at different times it was such a well-crafted film so excited for what michael b jordan's going to do directing creed 3 which is coming out in a couple of years. So there's no way I could have a list like that and not put a Rocky movie in there. Mm-hmm. And if, if he dies, he dies. He does, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Number one is maybe the film that I most patterned my game after. My basketball game, that is. And it is the movie that has... It may be the title of the movie. There's never been a truer statement in the history of movie titles than these four words. White men can't jump. Can't jump. <laughs> it is such a beautiful story. It's such a great trial and tribulations that friendships go through. And you can learn so much about life watching that, which you need in any great sports movie. It's also really funny. Rosie Perez's Gloria knocks it out of the stadium. And a lot of the basketball is still fun to watch. Do all the moves hold up? Am I whistling travel on a couple of them? Yeah, but I love the movie. And when I left the theater, I wanted to be Billy Hoyle. And I feel like I still am Billy Hoyle to this day. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, any Woody Harrelson is absolutely phenomenal. That is an automatic 8 out of 10 on a movie. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Ellis. Mark, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Uh, any social media platform you prefer. I'm really more of just a Twitter, Instagram guy these days. It's The handle is at Mark Ellis Live because at one time I could do live shows, and I look forward to getting back to that this summer. I'm actually going to go down to Texas in Austin sometime later on this summer. There's a couple good clubs I'm going to hit down there. Houston might be on the agenda, and so I'll get with you fellas wherever part of the world you're in. If Nick, if you're still in San Diego, I'm definitely the, – the Comedy Store in La Jolla is one of my favorite road oh, clubs. Oh, that's great ever we're, we're so, all in la so we're we're in your backyard right now we're all in LA. oh well okay that's a little too close for comfort but um <laughs> fine we can go meet at a parking lot in brown bag but yeah then i'm heading down to the comics <laughs> room in la jolla too and then um the, you mentioned the rotten tomato show versus i also have a weekly podcast that i co-host with jacqueline coley called uh rotten tomatoes is wrong where we take the score of a movie such as white men can't jump 76 percent fresh and we say, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about that? In that case, yes, because it should be 90% or above. Well, it can't be 100, but it can be a 99. That's right. If there's anything we learned. <laughs> there's anything we learned about in your high grading school, system. man. It, yeah. it, can't be, it can't be 100. That's I don't awesome. have those nuns putting the shackles on me anymore, baby. It's 100 until <laughs> the day I die now. Free, free, free. Mark, thank you so much for joining us, brother. We loved having you on. Hey, appreciate you, fellas. Uh, Y'all do great work. I'm a fan. Thank you. And let's do it again before next tournament. 100%. 100%. Great show. Love that guy. Love having him on. We're going to have him on again. Future guest. Talk more college hoops. Maybe next year. Maybe after the tournament. Who knows? We'll do something. Do something fun with that man. Maybe even just have him talk about movies. That'd be nice. Very nice. But... We started off the show with an ad, got to end with an ad. One of our all-time favorite sponsors, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professionals. I've been on a heater lately authenticators nice i almost botched it but i didn't a team of experienced authenticators verify the box logo stitching and dozens of inspection points each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with verified return process i still don't think i'm saying that word right and for sneaker sellers out there ebay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers hundred dollars plus making it free to sell or flip your collection Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value in unique selection. Authenticity. Why, why are some of these words words? Some people in charge of the dictionary were pissed. And I stand by that statement. But anyway, enjoy college basketball. Playing games start today. Going to be awesome. A lot of great games. Fans out there, drag both feet in bounds, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt at your PKs because they're free and hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they are free. We out you. We love you so damn much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.